Air, water, earth, fire. For hundreds of years, the four nations have lived in harmony. The Avatar, master of all four elements, has always been responsible for maintaining the peace. But Avatar Roku passed away 13 years ago, and now the four nations look to the air nomads to reveal the next Avatar. But the world is met in silence. Five young heroes stopped a secret Fire Nation invasion on their way to deliver the news of the Air Nomad genocide to Ba Sing Se. Now the world knows of the loss of the Air Nomads and both the Water Tribes and the Earth Kingdom prepare for all-out war. But as harmony is dissolved, our young heroes need to address the agitated spirits and bring peace back to the world. Oh, friends, welcome. I am very sad today. I'm mm-hmm. sad because it is the end of a campaign. It is the end of some character stories that we have been with for the last two years. I'm sure you all feel connected to these characters that you made. I'm sure some of the listeners feel connected to some of these characters. And uh, we have a wonderful opportunity to to finish their stories uh in appropriate ways you'll notice uh let's this is not gonna be uh the normal length episode we have normally episodes about an hour hour and a half hour 50 somewhere in there i think this is gonna be shorter um but we want it to have an epilogue episode on its own just to kind of feel like we could wrap up this story instead of like sticking it on the end of last episode uh, you'll notice that Nick is not with us. Nick is on a plane to Japan right now. And so in a better place. Uh, he's in a better place. He's in <laughs> Nick's heaven. in a better place. A plane to Japan. Is that what we're calling it? Now? <laughs> is that a better place? I feel like Japan's a better place. So he's not so much there yet. He's Japan. on a plane on to a place. He's on a plane to a better place. Uh, but I, so uh, what this is going to look like is that we're going to just go through each of the characters. Um, we're going to do a scene, an improv role-playing scene with each of them. And at the end of that scene, um, I'll, I'll read kind of an overview summary of the, the rest of that character's life. Uh, I've ah. written all these ahead of time. And I have sent them to all the players. So there's nothing that I share in these these summaries that the players themselves were not all right with that they So we haven't out. seen each other's scenes. Correct. You sent them to the player who plays that character. Correct. Oh, I'm yes. So ready and so not ready. Yeah. Correct. Um before we get into that though, I wanted to talk about uh announcements. Um and then we'll kind of just talk, hang out for a little bit before we get into it. Because again, this isn't going to go the, f- the full two hours. But um, <laughs> last year, right, we we ended our season. We we took a little, I don't know, month and a half off. Um, we were still doing content, but it was way lower stakes. Just us kind of goofing off and having fun. Um, and then we uh, jumped back into it in the fall. Uh, we're going to do something similar again this year. Um, so I'm going to share that with you now. We'll we'll put this schedule up somewhere on social and Discord uh, as well. But for the next two weeks, so July 16th and July 23rd, while Nick is absent, the four of us are going to play a Forged in the Dark game called Apocalypse Road Trip. 
It is a story about uh, just average people caught in an apocalypse of aliens and kaiju and like military oversight. I am very excited. I was reading the rules and I texted these buffoons and I was like, whoa, I just had the greatest idea. You're supposed to play just like average people caught in an apocalypse. What if the three of you played yourselves? And so Johnny and all of them are like, that's brilliant. Let's do it. And so they're <laughs> going to play them in an apocalypse with kaiju monsters and aliens. And I can't wait. It's going to be a ton I'm of so fun. Excited. Um, Stoked. So that's July 20, uh, 16th and 23rd. And then July 30th, Nick is back. And we've got something very special planned that week. We're going to be playing what I'm calling Project Spark in the Dark. Hmm. We are going to be playing one session of Blades in the Dark set in our Avatar story. It'll be a flashback to a heist and like criminal move uh, that Chainow Launcher heads up uh, back before he left Project Spark and the shadow of his father. So he'll be leading a group of other Project Spark criminals, which will be played by Danny, Steve and Johnny. And they will get on some criminal heist. And I'm very excited to see where that ends up. Uh, and Can I be then, a smooth criminal? Absolutely. Yes. Good. Yes. It'll be a really rough. Johnny's so disappointed. Just, uh, <laughs> that's going to make a very inappropriate joke. Can I? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Let's we'll avoid better. that. Not I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then the week after that is August 6th. We're actually going to take a, a well and true deserved week off. Uh, that is mainly because Danny, Nick, and I will be at Gen Con. And mm -hmm. I can't see us feasibly doing anything that week. Um, so Come to Gen Con. Come find us. Come, come to Gen Con. Give us I'll a, be running some, a little slap on the face. I'll slap <laughs> you in the face, and then we'll play Urban Shadows together. Yeah. That's <laughs> a good, it's a good uh, pitch right there. Um, Who can say no? And then, <laughs> and then after that, uh, August 30th and 20th, we're going to do what we did last year, which was uh, Behind the Bison. It was a lot of fun doing it. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll break it up probably like we did last time where we talk about the first half of season two and then the second half of season two. But we'll also be able to sort of, I think, now talk about like the campaign as a whole and, and that uh, Daniel will be hosting that again. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, we'll get into all the the fun behind the scenes junk of 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 what goes on and how we make decisions and all that. So, I'll, I'll probably put like sometime like a couple weeks before like a post on Reddit and an announcement in Discord. So uh, you'll know where to like drop any questions if you if you have them. Um, and then so that's August thirtieth and twentieth. We'll do behind the bison, and then the August twenty seventh to September seventeenth. So four weeks. Um, we will be uh, playing a game called External Containment Bureau, which is a like paranormal investigation game. Um, and I'm really excited for this uh, for the main reason that uh, while we won't have uh, Steve, uh, we and uh, Nikki, the rest of like all of the the crew of both the the new Avatar Legends show and the old Avatar Legends actual player are gonna be playing together. So it'll be uh, Danny, Johnny, uh, Gus, Will, and Nick. I think when he's back. 
So that'll be a lot of fun to like all kind of play together and and form like a unified, cohesive yeah, cast. It'll be so fun. It's going to be a blast. Um, and then September 24th is at least the uh, the first episode of Scum and Villainy. Um, I'm not quite sure. We haven't quite worked out when the Avatar Legends campaign will be, but it'll, it'll be sometime in that week or around then. So September 24th is when we will start the, the new season of the new game. So we've got like a, a nice like couple months of just kind of like goofing off and hanging out and uh, before we before we jump into Scum and Villainy. Well, so this is that, a great time to help us if you haven't, if you're considering supporting mm-hmm. us. Because um, the once we hit the stride of both shows weekly, it's going to be a lot, and we're nervous and excited. Um, yeah. But support would mean a ton right now, especially so that we can get some well-deserved art. I feel like our characters deserve it. We almost mm. got some bunch of stuff happen. We never got it. We need it. I need it. Please. <laughs> maybe, maybe behind maybe behind the bicep, we can we can share what happened with the art. But I I think mm. we I think we could I think I think it's we owe story. it to our listeners because at some point yeah. I don't know where we said it but we were like we're gonna get art for our characters. Yeah. It's a story. Yeah. Stuff happened. It's yeah. a story. Yeah. Uh, Justin, are we gonna publish yes. that schedule anywhere so that people have access to it like visually? Uh, uh, no, mm. this is the only place you'll ever hear. It. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, like I, I said, hope yeah, you took yeah. notes. Well, We'll put it in. We'll put it on our socials, uh, as well as we'll we'll probably put the schedule in Discord as well too. So, excellent, wonderful, 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 wonderful. Um, I had a realization the other day. Uh, I I think I've said this. Uh, I've said this live. I've said this to all of you that this is the first time I've ever uh, done a homebrew campaign. Um, I, I've only wow. ever run pre-written stuff. And I also realized that this is the first time I've ever ended a campaign like as as like a cohesive story, like as a all right. And then we're ending it here at this moment. These characters yeah. stories are over. Every other campaign I've ever GM'd just ended because people's lives got busy. Someone moved away par for course for for tabletop role playing games. Um, Same. We never ended have, a campaign. <laughs> have any of you like been a part of like a, a, a good and true end to a campaign that wasn't like rush? That was like, this is the end, and we're all we're all on board and excited about the end. No, Can, cannot say. No, <laughs> it's so rare in the world of TTRPGs. It, it, it is. is so rare, and I think part it's, of that's for a good reason, which is that generally people just want to continue playing, and it's just life that yeah. gets in the way. Yeah. So mm. they don't deliberately wind down, you know, and be like, let's mm. wrap this up, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I I also feel like um I mean you hear these stories of like groups that have these like eight year campaigns of the same characters in the same world, and I'm like, that's crazy. Like how? How do you keep like telling those characters story, stories yeah. like it's it's wild and I'm, I'm sure it's done um i've heard of a 40 I, year campaign what i've heard of a 40 year campaign oh wow. yeah 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 i saw a video on that yeah, yeah that's crazy there was some cool coverage on that and a lot of tears shed when characters died and things like that yeah understandably can you 
how terrible would it be if like let's say like 40 years is when they ended it right and your character lives for 39 years and then like the last session they die i would be so <laughs> sad i'd be so sad i mean what if they just knowing me they would just like fail an acrobatics check and like plummet down a, a <laughs> ravine or something I, after all this time if I, was a GM, if I was a gm i'd be like you would you wouldn't have died if it was a gunslinger <laughs> this might be a like extension of my clinical depression it's possible but i do not feel that level of attachment to my characters living <laughs> by any means doesn't matter how long i've that. been playing them yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <should've done. laughs> i think our listeners are acquainted <laughs> i think, so I think is part it? of that um holding things loosely even the even the lives of precious characters is part of yeah. good writing though too mm -hmm. so. no it's true yeah yeah it's true it's uh yeah so this has been a blast i'm sad i'm sad nick isn't here because yeah. it has Monroe. been and Monroe, yeah. and it has mm. been some of the best moments of my life over the last two years is is doing this for you all um mm. you're all wonderful players i i cherish and adore uh the three of you and nick and monroe so dearly and i yeah just sentimental and sad uh and i love you guys mm. love you too justin likewise yeah. we love you justin oh, i feel like for me you. it's like taught me so much like doing this with you guys mm -hmm. just in a very generalized term and it's I've, I've learned a lot from this i feel like like about myself about like all you and it's it's been cool yeah yeah i yeah i was in a really 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 dark place when this came up and really mm -hmm. isolated and didn't have a lot of people and so this was like very timely for me it, it's meant mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. This meant nothing to me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, I just knew I just knew after that beautiful tenderness that no, I would good. go for the laugh. You had to. You had to. It was it was right there. Yeah. Sure. It was low hanging fruit was, from someone say, but you had to you had to, you had to, you had to so grab just it. For it to be over as soon as it started. I feel nothing. <laughs> Ants to me! <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful journey oh. this has been. Yes. yes. I feel not... yeah, I feel bittersweet about um yeah. about ending it. And yet I, I do feel like I've had time to warm up to it and embrace it mm. and like welcome all of the new stories that we'll tell and the opportunity yeah. to like weave stories into the story we've already created. Like we have like we have a new FBP canon that we can use. It's mm -hmm. just so cool to mm -hmm. me. So yeah, that'll be fun. I'm super glad this isn't the end of us playing together. It's just the end of yeah. this yeah. campaign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd and be that was the thing. If this was that. <laughs> um, can you that'd be so sad if that was like the bait and switch. I was like, this is it. This is this is the last. We're not doing any of that stuff I talked about between now and August, <laughs> September twenty fourth. I've changed the schedule. Lied. Is no schedule. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're not posting it anywhere. Um, uh, no, I. I'm sorry. I'm just riffing. I just feel like it'd be a horrible and hilarious way to like show that you're ending a show by posting a schedule and it just has nothing on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're really excited about all of our upcoming events and we'll see you soon. Maybe. We'll and then this just has nothing. Anyway. Nothing. <laughs> we're pretty excited about what's coming next. Just as probably time. very torturous of me, but it is. It's also I feel like there'd be so many people would be like, I don't I don't understand. I don't why, yeah, what is all happening? the comments would just be like, Hey, there's what? an error. You didn't yeah, you didn't yeah. put all of them. You'd be like, No, there isn't. There's no error. But that don't elaborate any schedule. further. <laughs> No, no, that's right. That's it. We just couldn't um, say goodbye. No, no, we're we're very excited to to play Scum and Villainy. Um, I know some of you have already talked to me a little bit about the characters you want to play, and I'm so freaking excited. Uh, I've been listening to like synthwave jazz to like get in, get in the mood for Scum and Villainy good stuff good good stuff you know i watched the well, uh the trailer for the new Zack snyder space opera that's coming out at the end of this year on netflix it's a, mm-hmm. it's a Zack snyder directed space opera that's coming out it's like his what he imagined star wars should be is what mm-hmm. it's kind of hit like the basic premise but i watched oh. that and got super hyped <laughs> like All right. I, yeah I'm I, I'm hoping we lean a little bit more into space western than space opera, but I think it'll be impossible to not have space opera moments in there for sure. I it's a fine difference. It is a fine difference. <laughs> it's a fine difference, but it's there. If you haven't noticed, I like telling epic stories about heroes. I think I have noticed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you if you haven't noticed at all over the last two years, um, all right, we've been putting this off for long enough. It is time. It is time. It is time to start. So, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna set a scene for for each of the characters, and, and these scenes will be pretty soon after your your fight with Cavo. Um. You know, I, I I am not interested in like this is exactly when it happened because uh, I, I I think at this point we're we're using these scenes as a catalyst to to see the rest of their story. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being said, I'm gonna pull up my notes here. This is also this episode I have obviously the most amount of notes for because I have like a, a ton of like written pieces for this. Um, camera opens on a modest house in the lower ring of Ba Sing Se. And as it moves closer, we see figures starting back and forth in a hurry, carrying pots and pans, cutting boards. And then San Fen Launcher settles in the center of the window and begins to wash a pot that she's holding. And as we move past the window into the kitchen, the cacophony of, of an active live kitchen begins there's water boiling and meat and vegetables sizzling on a walk and the rhythmic sound of a knife chopping a cutting board chain launcher is multitasking he's currently holding one arm out under a heat under a pot heating the water with the tiniest bit of magma and with his other hand chopping a large carrot and on the other side of the table, uh, Rosic is currently pinching the top of a dumpling and sitting it, setting it down next to a plate of dozens of dumplings. And Sanfen turns from the uh, sink 
and says, I don't know what came over you two coming here and cooking all of this food. I'm happy to clean, but will you just tell me what this is about? And Che looks at her and says, uh, it's it's nothing, Mom. Just uh, dinner. We're cooking for our friends when they get back to our house, and you know our our kitchen's too small. That doesn't work. Uh, I you could come if you want to. I mean, there'll be some other people there too. I, I'll think about it, dear. And the three of them continue to cook and clean. And after some time, Che looks to his mom and says, "All right, please join us. It's 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 time to go. Come on." And the three of you pack up the rest of the food and you pray to the spirits that it will stay somewhat warm on the train ride to the upper ring. And miraculously it does. And you don't walk to your house though. You begin walking to the Earth Palace. And right outside of the Earth Palace, Sanfen stops the two of you and goes, okay, I held my tongue when we obviously weren't going to your house, but what are we doing here? Che just looks over his shoulder and unceremoniously says, family picnic, and just continues on into the palace, past the guards and down the stone stairs to the prison. Sanfen catches up and walks ahead of the two launcher brothers and Che stops Rosic at the top of the stairs that go down to the prison. He grabs your shoulder and goes, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here, Rosic. Uh, I know the two of us have our own thing that we have and we created our own family, but Sanfen and Naozao will always be your family too. Yes, uh, messed up family for sure. They're a power hungry despot on one hand and the <laughs> literal personification of avoidance on the other, but family nonetheless. So I'm I'm happy you're here. What do you say, Rosic? What do you do? I'm Rosic, uh, Sanser, uh, smiling um, for a while. Um. Uh, I wouldn't be anywhere else. I wouldn't have any other way. Um. Let's go. Eat some dumplings with our terrible family. <laughs> At least the dumplings are pretty good. And he continues down the stairs. And. You walk down the hallway until you get to a cell with a familiar face in it. No longer shackled against the wall directly, but still tied up uh, and, and tied in this cell is, is now Zal Launcher. He sees the three of you. He looks at Che. And he says, finally, told the guards it's mealtime, huh? He sits down. You start taking the food out, handing it to him, eating. Hey, look at us, huh? The band, back together again. Looks like that prophecy is finally coming true after all. And we, the sound kind of cuts out. We see 
the four of you sharing a meal together. And we sort of zoom away from that uh, and it goes black. And when it comes back, it's like that, uh, like that Japanese parchment style art. Um, and we see scenes uh, that I'm about to describe. It's like all the scenes that I'm about to describe and the words are just zooming up from, from the top. Chain Al Launcher never stayed in one place for too long. And for those that knew him, this didn't come as a surprise. Ever since finding his freedom from his father, Che always saw the injustices of the world as too looming to ignore. He spent a considerable amount of time in Bossing Se, but even then, never sat still. Some days you could find him at the Earth Palace, annoying Shoban with all of the flaws he saw in the organizational structure of the Dai Li. To be fair, most of these flaws were legitimate, a fact which Shoban was hard-pressed to admit. The two formed a strong mutual respect for each other as time went on. Che found it difficult to talk about how he really felt with Liko, and funnily enough found the only person really able to understand was his father, Naozao. And as Che would visit the Earth Palace prison, the two would talk, and through the years, Che found a way to understand his father, accept his family, and hold his own life. And as the tension between Che and Naozao lessened, he realized that something happened along his journey. He wanted to be part of Sanfen's life too. It was awkward at first, but Che found a way to develop a relationship with the woman who Che blamed for years for abandoning him. But now, he was able to see the effort Sanfen went in to protecting what was in her power to protect. Sometimes Che would leave Ba Sing Se and his brother for months at a time, staying with and helping Osa and Ren tend their farm. When he'd return, Rosic always noticed that Che was more centered and balanced, but the itch deep down in his soul to find something he couldn't quite name would always consume Che eventually. But Che was never closer to anybody than Rosic. Losing his memories of what his brother did when he rescued him just meant that Che could discover who his brother was all over again. The two launchers were inseparable. Even when they were physically apart, they had a bond that only strengthened as they grew. He would eventually convince his brother to help him kick the Fire Nation from out of Chin Village and erected a statue to Elder Pan Chen there. Eventually, an ailing Pangole approached Che and offered him a spot in the White Lotus. It took some convincing, but eventually the youngest launcher accepted on the condition that he didn't need to stay in any one place. Pangole agreed. And so Che traveled the world, stopping at remote villages all around the Earth Kingdom. To many, he became a folk hero, a lone earthbender just trying to make a difference. And when people would ask him how he handled being alone all the time, he would smile, tap the sword on his belt, and say, I'm never alone. As Che got older, the trips out became longer and longer before he stopped coming back to Ba Sing Se at all. He wandered the world, helping hundreds of people, but he never found what he was looking for. And Elder Che sent one last messenger hawk to his brother Rosic, who joined him in a remote village in the Earth Kingdom. Che died soon after his brother came, his heart heavy from a war he could never stop. 
his brother carried his body all the way to the Northern Water Tribe to a small mountain village called Spirit's End. He was buried near the collapsed entrance to the forge, forever to stand as its guardian, and a statue was erected next to Liko's. Rosic would stop anyone who would listen to tell them all about the one-armed waterbender and the earthbender who threw fire. Jesus Christ, this is going to be a struggle to get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was hard. It's so beautiful. Oh my God. It is the Earth Kingdom Palace. And there is, uh, it's quiet and a little dark in there. We just hear the echoing of footsteps coming down to the palace throne. And when the camera zooms back out, we see Shoba now standing before a, a much older, uh, maybe not much older, but a, a more haggard looking King uh, Ganu, the Earth King. Hail, Shoban, anything to report? My scouts tell me that the Fire Nation is getting closer every day. Have you thought about my proposal? Yes, yes, I've read it. I don't... <laughs> I don't think it is the answer. I think hiding while protecting the people of Bossing Say dooms the world, show. Highness, it is imperative that Bossing Say survive this, and I have seen how relentless the Earth, the Fire Nation is. I think that we need to fortify the walls and stop letting anyone in or out. <sighs> A bold suggestion. I have not made a decision. I will continue to think about it. As is your right, Highness. And I will do what I can until then. Uh, my son was looking for you as well. Said he wanted to practice. I'll go find him right away. And Shoban turns around and starts walking out of the Earth King's throne. And, and again, the scene kind of loses the sound, fades to black. And again, we start seeing scenes as the words are zooming up the screen. The commander of the Dai Li, Shoban, continued to live a life in service to the Earth King. Now that his friends were safe and Shoban could focus on protecting the Earth Kingdom, he rarely left Ba Sing Se, instead throwing himself fully into his work. He was grateful for the assistance offered by Che now, even if Che overstepped his bounds, and he humored Rosic's suggestions. As the war grew, Shoban saw less and less of his old friends, who had all moved on with their own lives. The Earth Kingdom became his focus, and, and with it, Shoban realized that the only one who could stop this threat was the Avatar. Shoban spent considerable resources trying to find the Avatar, but his search never turned up any concrete leads. And then the cold hard truth finally dawned on Shoban that this war was inevitable, and that the Fire Nation held the upper hand. He quickly shifted his position to convincing the son of King Ganu that once he took over the throne that the best thing was for Ba Sing Se to focus on increasing 
isolating itself from the world. Shoban and May remained romantically and politically involved for their entire lives, but never married. May eventually left the Dai Li, realizing that she could do more work as a humanitarian in the lower ring of Ba Sing Se. As an older man and still head of the Dai Li, Shoban saw war raging across the Four Nations, and with no lead on where the Avatar might be, he made a difficult decision. Together with his young apprentice, Long Feng, the two reestablished the base under Lake Laogai, alongside some of the more totalitarian projects, totalitarian projects the Dai Li researched, including the mind control research from Project Spark. Shoban never saw the end of the war, but he died feeling as though he protected the people of Ba Sing Se to the best of his ability. Rosic, you and Sanfen have been traveling now for a few days. You left Ba Sing Se. She didn't tell you where she was taking you, but you quickly found yourself moving southwest of Ba Sing Se. And a few days go by and you find yourself looking at the town of Jinu. Your mother stops for a moment, tears in her eyes. Tears are like starting. She's not like crying, but they're starting Ooh. to well up in her eyes. And she goes, uh, this is where it all started. It felt appropriate to bring you here. This is what, where, where you met a cordal? No. Oh. This is where I was saved from a cordal. Oh. This is where Nao Zhao saved me from a cordal. Rosic, I've, I've heard stories from Che and your other friends about what you've done for them. Che said you stood right in Kavo's path. He said it was incredible to see how you so quickly stood to take the brunt of something you had no idea what it would cost you, and you did it anyway. It reminded me of Nauzao, back before, well, he found the prophecy right after saving me, but in that brief time, in between saving me from Okoro and becoming obsessed with a future that could never happen, in that bright, shining moment of protection and sacrifice, I can see where you get it from. Thank you. I really hope that things get better from here. I hope that Naozao turns into a man that I want to become. Prison has a way of changing people, sometimes for the better. Um, Mom, I'm never got a chance to say this, but I'm. I guess both sorry and not sorry for the things I said back 
back when I came to visit you some time ago. Um, I think you can understand where I was coming from, but I know some of those things hurt you. And I know you're not the perfect mother. And I think you know that, but I can see you trying. And I appreciate that so much. Now she's crying. Sometimes the prisons we make for ourselves change us for the better, too. I love you, Rosic. I love you. She goes in for a hug. And when she comes out, she wipes the tears away from her eyes. I did live here for a couple years uh, before Nazal came. Uh, maybe I'll show you around. Like that. As <laughs> or, or when you're walking away, the camera zooms out and she goes, Did I ever tell you that we all suspected the mayor of killing his wife? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. What? <laughs> The two of you continue to talk <laughs> as the the audio cuts out, fades to black, and when it comes back, the, the pictorial scenes start dancing for us as the words come across. No one could ever quite pin down exactly who Rosic was, and he liked keeping it that way. If people are always on their toes, he would say, they can't see me from down below. And when told that people weren't actually any taller, Rosic refused to comment any further. The oldest launcher had less of a wandering heart than his brother Che, but Rosic was always ready to help his brother out on some of Che's more dangerous trips. Rosic preferred to stay in Bossing Say, finally feeling like he could pursue his own passions, and so Rosic founded Pinchy Prawn Academy. An alternative school to Bossing Say University, PPA focused almost primarily on just writing whatever came into your head into a notebook. All the students wore a hat with the letters PP stitched into the front, and while PPPA never really took off, Rosig realized he liked teaching, and so he took a dangerous opportunity to enact his own blow against the Fire Nation. Taking a play from his adopted father's playbook, and with the help of his brother in the White Lotus, reformed Nauzau's Project Spark, but this time as a sleeper cell organization within the Fire Nation army. Rosic spent his entire life attempting to stop the Fire Nation from within. When Rosic was much older, he met a young Fire Nation general and heir to the throne, General Iroh. Despite being the brash son of Fire Lord Zulon, Rosic detected something different about this man and took Iroh under his wing. He was always careful to conceal his true motives, but found it easy to confuse the young Iroh. Iroh found Rosic's attentiveness and care something lacking in his own father and latched on to the older Firebender's teachings. As one last push, something that Rosic knew would lead Iroh down a very different path from his father and brother. Rosic revealed the location of the dragons that he and his friends saved so long ago. As Iroh left that day imagining taking the mantle of Dragon of the West, 
Rosic knew his greatest plan of all, recruiting the son of the Fire Lord as a force of harmony, had just begun. Ren, you are in Bossing Say, but over the last few days you have been hearing the strangest rumors. Rumors that the songs are back on Kyoshi Island. Now you know that can't be true. You're here, your mom is dead, and your father's in prison in Bossing Say. You defeat a Cabo, so it can't be that. I have to go investigate. You begin traveling to Kyoshi Island. And we oh, cut to, to you standing outside of the like ruined and crumbled Ki- uh, song estate on Kyoshi Island. It has not been kept up. Pirates don't have a way of doing that usually. <laughs> they don't really care either. <laughs> they just move on to the next uh, next place to to pillage. Um, you begin walking through. You walk right past the spot where you had to kill your mom. Hmm. You walk right past the spot that you buried her. You see that the door flowers Hmm. to set on his mother's grave. You set the flowers on the grave and you hear a voice behind you. You know, I've always liked the red ones more. Yeah. Ren can't believe his eyes. Turn around Ren to stands see up your and mom. embraces. Chen Song. The tears are just falling down her face as she's just like blubbering. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let anything like. No, I'm sorry. I didn't. How? It doesn't matter. No. Mom, you know. And Ren looks down, and there's several sets of older flowers that had been at the grave as well. Hmm. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. And I'm glad you're back. I know. It it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't your fault. But it was you. We're together again just happy that we can spend time together again I'm sorry I didn't bring the red ones it's alright I know where they grow on the main island, on the mainland maybe maybe I'll just move there get away from this I'd love to have you there I don't think I'd like to be here very much either. Ren gazes out over the remains of his childhood home. Do you want to visit dad? I don't, but I know where he is. If that's something you want. I think for the first time in my life I'm free from him and I don't think I want to go back mom you know I don't blame you 
for all those years in the house. She gets silent. I should have done more. It would have been hard for anyone to say a word against him. Well, she smiles. He's not standing in our way now. She gives you a hug. I'm also sorry that I gave away all of our money to pirates. I didn't think you would come back to life. At that, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We do. We are. We are comfortable, though. We'll start a new life. On the mainland. We'll start a new life. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. The scene fades to black, and after the battle with Kavo, Rensong was seemingly at peace. He finally had what he wanted out of life, his friends safe and no dangerous obstacles to overcome. But Ren realized something else, that he and his family had gone through hell and back, and that nothing could separate that connection. And so Ren was content for a time, but he quickly became antsy to start a life with Osa, and the two found a spot near the Western Air Temple to start a farm. It was close to a spirit portal for the times that Osa needed to preside over the cycle of rebirth and allow the two of them to keep a close eye on the Fire Nation. The pastoral life agreed with Ren, and he quickly threw himself into his hobbies. While he gave up his title of Pirate King and Captain to First Mate Mowak, Ren would still on occasion dress up as a pirate lord and join his old crew to harass lone Fire Nation ships. And for those that followed the theater, sometime after the Kavo incident, a new playwright emerged on the scene, the mysterious Ho Golong. Ren enjoyed writing plays anonymously and found his greatest success with his play, The Boy Who Was Born a Man, a fictionalized retelling of the adventures that he and his friends found themselves on. Ren never visited Isong, still imprisoned under the Earth King Palace, and his mother, now alive, a fortunate side effect of Kavo's rupture of the cycle of rebirth, resettled in a small village in the Earth Kingdom. Ren visited her often, and the two became close throughout the rest of Chen Song's life. But there was one person in Ren's family that was still missing, Gimo. And so, Captain Wolfclaw set out on one last adventure. By himself, Ren scoured the Four Nations for any news of his mentor in Major Domo. He braved perilous Fire Nation soldiers, mercenaries, and bandits, but eventually found Gimo in a small village in the Southern Water Tribe. Gimo was at the end of his life, but had enough strength to make one last trip to Ren and Osa's farm. When they arrived, Ren provided care for his ailing father figure until Gimo's last breath. Ren lived the rest of his life on that farm. He died peacefully, surrounded by all of his friends, but most importantly, the love of his life, Osa. The world remembered him by many names. Captain Wolfclaw, Hogolong, the heir to the Song estate, but to his friends, they always remembered Ren as the one who kept them all together. It is just a couple days after you've returned from fighting Kavo and you all 
but we're going to focus on Osa, are in Omashu. There's a giant procession and wailing for the much-beloved King Malu. You were invited, obviously, by now King Bumi, who, as one of your close friends, wanted you to be there for his dad's funeral. You sit through the service, comfort Bumi, and then you leave because you have another funeral to get to. And this one is the stark opposite of King Malu's funeral. There is no one there except for one person. Toko is standing waiting for you all in front of Kasa's casket. You sit, share stories. And at some point, Toko sits down next to Osa with a an old like <clears throat> Well boy. Welcome back. Thanks. Um I'm sorry, Toko. It's life, you know. People that aren't supposed to die die and people that I don't I don't know. I'll miss her. Me too. I I've been trying to bring her back. I've been trying to fix everything that happened. I can't. Oh sir. As long as I've known you. Taking your pain. Try to work it out in the world. Sometimes things that are broken, things that don't make sense to us, just have to sit. There for us to think about and to learn from. Can't fix everything. Some things don't need to be fixed. How did you become so wise, Toko? I've had to sit with a lot of broken things. Tell me. Was it worth it? Taking out she? I thought it would be. Osa looks around the room at his friends. I broke more than I fixed when I did that. But I got a second chance. And he looks at Ren. And I got to fix some other things. So in the end, yeah. Gives a very weary smile. You get it. Put his arm around you. And the scene fades to black again. And when it comes up, we see the last little vignette of what happens to Osa. Osa, now the spirit of rebirth, lived in two worlds, but always felt pulled in two different directions. 
Together with Rensong, he lived the rest of Ren's life in their quiet farm outside of the Western Air Temple. Osa was glad to let Ren go on the occasional mission as he would have business to take care of in the spirit world. And when Red would come back, the two of them couldn't get enough of each other, tending their garden and livestock and welcoming all of their old friends for visits. They were happy. But Osa knew in the back of his mind that this would end. Ren grew older. Osa did not. Remaining as young and vibrant as the day he merged with Hawashu. And as his powers grow and his control over them strengthened, Osa began to understand what his real role was. Iron and Kavo thought that the spirit of rebirth could control the flow of reincarnation, but Osa came to realize that for anyone to choose who lives and who dies, even the spirit of rebirth, would be an affront to the entire cycle. Osa could bring people back, but he refused to. A conversation that Ren and he had many times. Ren was only alive thanks to a miracle and some luck, and Osa was just thankful that they had any time together. Despite his initial protests, Ren eventually learned to respect Osa's wishes for Ren to not move to the spirit world permanently. The two made the most of their lives together and filled it with wonderful memory after wonderful memory. However, the spirit of rebirth also had to live the remainder of his life with a great secret. For soon after mastering his new station over the cycle of rebirth, Osa couldn't feel the avatar spirit in the cycle. He knew that this meant that the avatar was still alive, and so Osa chose to believe that the avatar would return when the world needed him most. When Ren died, an old man in the arms of his partner and the love of his life, Osa knew it was time to move on. He buried Ren next to his mother in the small village of the Earth Kingdom and moved to his roost on Hawashi's mountain permanently. Despite losing Ren, the great spirit had a sense of contentment. He had done everything that he wanted to avenged his brothers and sisters at the air temple, protected his friends from dangerous spirits, and carved out a peaceful existence in the midst of war. He had lived a good life, and now he could ensure that life continued on for everyone else. And that is the end of the Flying Bison podcast campaign. Whew. <laughs> Dang, oh, Justin. wait, I had, I had, wait, wait, I just thought of one more scene. It was literally like in the shower this morning. <laughs> I think this is, this is like the last, this is the last thing. This is the last thing. This is the last thing I promise you. <laughs> so, uh, say that it's, again. It's the last thing. <laughs> okay. It is, I don't know, probably like 99 years, 98 years after this campaign. And we open on a mountain in the spirit world. And we zoom in on the top and we zoom in on Osa. He's just sitting and meditating. And then the scene shifts very dramatically and suddenly to an iceberg in the Southern Water Tribe. 
that is cracked. A light shoots out into the sky and back on the mountain. Osa opens his eyes with that same bright blue light and goes, it's time. And that, that is where the campaign ends. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Thank uh, you, Justin. Thank you all. What an ending. Man. Man. What do we do with I ourselves told you this now? Be two hours. What? <laughs> what do we do with ourselves now? I think I, we just like... sit here. I think, I think we just... <laughs> I'm supposed to go work in a kitchen after this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Bring your best to that kitchen. That's what Rose would want. <laughs> I uh so this this whole thing was gonna look totally different and I knew Nick was gonna be gone, so I wrote I wrote Chase and I was like, this is too good. I feel like every character needs something like this. And so I quick started writing all of them for all of them, <laughs> sent them to all of you and yeah, thank you for your thoughtfulness in yeah, helping us craft an end for each of these characters. Gosh, it's like I want to launch into favorite. like tender reflection mode, but we gotta save it for behind the bison. I know. Let's so, save it for yeah. behind the bison. <laughs> uh, we appreciate all the listeners. I appreciate you. I appreciate these wonderful players that I have. Um it's just fun to get to tell stories. Mm-hmm the sad and the happy. And so we are not done telling playing tabletop role playing games in any any sort of respect. We'll be back next fall with both uh Scum and Villainy and uh, continued avatar stories. Uh I'm really excited to see what Steve brings to the avatar world as the GM uh and for now we hope you enjoyed exploring the four nations with us. And we'll see you back in the Avatar world on September 24th. But catch all of the stuff that we do in between now and then. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 The Flying Bison Podcast is an independent podcast. If you feel like directly supporting the show, please check out our Patreon. While the Flying Bison podcast seeks to emulate the tone of Avatar The Last Airbender, this is an improv tabletop role-playing game, and the actors may briefly depict scenes with more mature story elements. Avatar Legends is developed and produced by Magpie Games. The worlds of Avatar The Last Airbender and Avatar The Legend of Korra are property of Viacom CBS. Intro music is Dizu by Senbei, and outro music is Tokyo Funk by LATG Music. Logo and art by Kate and Matthew Mankey. You can find more of their work at pomican.com. Link in the show notes.